Hey, one more thing before you go. What do you do when your grandfather's spirit visits you after he died and lets you know not to worry about him? How do you handle a prediction of cancer when you're the one foretelling it? What happens when you have a near-death experience? We're going to answer these questions and more when we have a conversation with a man that experienced all of that and more. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Jason Zook. He's an intuitive psychic medium, an attorney, and a podcaster in Florida. Jason's also a psychic medium that has been providing accurate intuitive advice and guidance within many different social contexts since August 2004. So he is well experienced. In January 2017, Zook decided to offer intuitive guidance professionally so that he can further provide clients with a chance to gain insight on matters within their life which require further attention. And since that time, Jason has read for hundreds of people. He's going to share his insight, his wisdom with us, such as how our deceased loved ones tend to remain with us after they cross over. And we're going to also learn how more about synchronicity, life after death, benefits in meditation, and the power of forgiving others. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Michael. I appreciate it. You know, what a what an amazing journey your life has been on to get to where you were and where you're at now. Thank you. Uh, I feel like we're on a journey our own way. Sometimes, you know, we deal with things that we have to deal with. And when you describe my intro, I appreciate that, by the way. I'm like, who are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, wait, that's me. Like, trying to remember all the things that I've been through in a short amount of time, uh, it you live your life. And then when you look mm. back at what you've been through, other people remind you of it. And you think about it, you're like, wow, to other people, that sounds like probably an interesting person. But to myself, I'm in my own shoes. And I just think of the obstacles I go through. And, you know, I'm a human being like everybody else going through those things did go, I went through a lot when I experienced each of them, but I learned a lot too, about resiliency of the human spirit and our ability to survive things that we may not think we can survive. Life is a journey. Absolutely. Life is a journey. Sometimes we have obstacles. Sometimes we have help through those obstacles. But the, sometimes we have lessons that we have to learn. But I think that once we get all that under our belt, it just makes us a better person all the way around. Absolutely. I agree 100%. 100%. Well, I like to, if you don't mind, let's, let's kind of backtrack just a little bit. Where'd you grow up? Uh, sure. I grew up in Lodi, New Jersey. It's a small town outside New York City, about five miles from Manhattan. On a good clear day, I could see the top of the Empire State Building from several hills in my hometown. And uh, I lived there for 17 years. And then I went to uh, Tampa for college, University of Tampa. My grandparents actually lived down here. So I, I was very prone to loving Florida from the time I was 12 years old. And then I came here for college and went to law school in Fort Lauderdale, at Nova Southeastern University. And then I went to Georgetown uh, for my advanced degree in international law. And I came back to Tampa and practiced law. And I've been in Tampa since 2001, nonstop. So you, I mean, just real quick, do you have any brothers, sisters? I have one older brother. He's an administ school administrator and, and works privately for himself up in New Jersey. And his name's Jamie. And uh, we're really close. Five years difference. Oh, very cool. So you, uh, a practicing lawyer, 
what yeah. may I ask what you what your practice is? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm a first party property insurance attorney. It's called basically with all the hurricanes that hit different areas. I help homeowners and businesses rebuild by going after the insurance company when they don't pay on a claim. And I've been doing that for like 20 years and I'm licensed in five states. And I've kind of gone around with all the storms that you could think of. Any storm that's been mostly in the headlines since 04 to now, I've probably had some type of interaction with in, in some form or fashion. And definitely if they were, they were in this, one of the five states I'm in, I was involved in some way. That's got to be really satisfying to be able to help people through that. Because it's a, obviously you're under a great deal of pressure when you lose everything that you've owned. Hundred, uh, my heart goes out to the people who have suffered hurricane damage over the years. Yeah. I had Mississippi clients during Hurricane Katrina, going back that far, where people suffered heart attacks, went through divorces, suicide attempts, significant depression, weight gain, mm -hmm. anything you could think of. Because when you lose everything, and then you're thinking your insurance company is going to pay you what they owe you. And then you find out you'll get a, a denial letter and you have to sue them in court and it could take three years and everything is uncertain. A lot of that uncertainty affects people very differently. And the financial instability and the pain that they go yeah. through is just, you know, my heart goes out to everyone who deals with that. And that's why I like what I do on my, I call it my day job. But my, Well, thank my, you for doing your day job. I think that's really important. Um, you know, I, as you know, and my listeners and viewers know, uh, in my life in law enforcement, you know, we see those individuals that are, at their lowest sometimes. And, you know, you. they just need a hand. And yeah. just reach a hand. You're the hand that reaches out. So that's cool. I really appreciate that. When, <coughs> excuse me, had you always wanted to be, <coughs> pardon me, had you, you had to sneeze, <laughs> had you always wanted to be a lawyer? Uh, originally, actually, I wanted to do news reporting. <laughs> reporting media stuff like the kind of stuff podcasting does now i originally had that interest very early on and i chose not i chose law school because i i basically interned for uh senator bob graham at the time he had a tampa office and i went there and i fell in love with legislation and law and helping people and advocating so that's how the law took over instead of being into the media stuff well that i mean it's an admirable what you do, I think, is an admirable um, lawyer. From which I've had, a, as a cop, as you can imagine, I've had a lot of interaction with lawyers over the years, both prosecutors oh, and true. defense attorneys. Um, so I have different opinions of some, <laughs> uh, you know, because I can never really, from a cop's perspective, I can never really understand why somebody would defend um, some of the clients, some of the people that I arrested. You kind of go, why would you even do that? In my opinion, you know, you kind of like. You know, we, we've got this red-handed. We got it right right here. We've got evidence that you did this horrific crime and you want to defend this person. So I, that's a whole different, that's a whole different yeah, conversation. To your point, I've never been a criminal defense attorney, but I'll say this, and, and that's just because of our constitution. I have so much respect for our constitutional democracy and our system of government and everything. That I, I booked our my con law class in law school. Um, well, I mean, basically I'm a big, big fan of our constitution and, and everything that we get to cherish and appreciate. And I feel like your job, I thank you for your service of all the sacrifices you made to keep our system where it is. And then I say that everyone's entitled to at least have their own legal representative when it comes to things that could take away rights. Or if, if something needs to be challenged, lawyers are good in that respect, but they have to be reputable, ethical, and they have to do the right thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, 
as a, as a, a lawyer myself, people ask me all the time, how do you do your psychic stuff when you're a lawyer? And I say, I don't. They say, what do you mean you don't? I said, well, if you look up the ethics rules for attorneys, you will not find a provision that talks about how does a psychic lawyer conduct themselves. Yeah, I don't think that's in the book. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Keep them 100% separate from each other, and they will always be separate from each other. Yeah, that, um, that would be a unique opportunity. To it would be a different for other people. That's why I don't feel like it would be fair for me as yeah. a lawyer. I see, the, I see the spiritual stuff as healing. The silent stuff that I do with the spirituality is all about healing. Anyone I give a reading to, if they're grieving somebody or if they just want to know some type of validation about the future, that's all about healing. Think about it. when we yeah. all went through the last few years, right. anything we can make ourselves even feel the slightest better is valuable. Well, let's talk about your psychic journey. Can we do that? Because I think, you know, the conversation we had prior to this, we probably could have talked for an hour before we even started the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you were given this amazing gift. And, you know, I call it a gift. Um, I've talked to some psychics, I go, well, it was kind of a pain in the butt for a while. But, you know, I, I, I think that it's a gift that you have the opportunity to change people's lives in such a way that they can move forward, and they can get th through some things to allow them to be able to grow and to move forward, which I sincerely appreciate. So when, when did you first notice necessarily notice that's probably the wrong word when did no, you first realize that you had this ability i appreciate that question i appreciate the way you phrased it and i'll just say this i believe everybody's psychic or intuitive in their own ways uh from my perspective i've talked to so many people who have said to me i get these premonitions but i never knew what they were until we talked and now i realize that it's not just something to ignore including my own mom members of my family close friends people don't always think that what they're picking up may not come from the five senses and they automatically disqualify it. And I'm going to tell anyone in the audience that if you get that hunch about something, or if you're thinking about your, your best friend and they call you, that's probably not just a coincidence. There's likely some spiritual element to it. I feel like we're all interconnected, that we're all energetic beings. That's why I can read for people remotely halfway around the world or through a phone call or even through text messages. I started doing Instagram lives recently and people type things on the screen and I can tune into their energy because we're energetic beings. And anyone who has a psychic, I'm sorry, a scientific background will say E equals MC squared and energy is constant and all that. We're just starting finally to understand how energy connects into our lives. I'm not talking about light bulbs. I'm not talking about charging your phone on the wall. I'm talking about how our spiritual energy interacts and intersects with each other on this side of the envelope as well as in the afterlife. And so I first became intuitive. I, I believe we're born with this, just like I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of hair on my head. My eyes are light brown. I believe that um, being intuitive, you, you, you could have it pass through the family. And my grandmother was highly intuitive. My mom is, my brother, I believe is, and other members of my family. So I think it's something that runs in families. I think most of us have these gifts and abilities. I don't really refer to them as that because for me, it's kind of a journey I've been on and recognizing, you know, it clicked for me when originally I ran away from it. When it first happened to me in 2004, my grandfather died seven years before he died. I always had the premonition that when my grandfather dies, I'm going to be by myself with no one to console me. And it, I, that, that terrified me. And I remember telling friends in college about it. I told people in my life and they were all like, nah, that's not going to happen. You're always around people. You know, if that ever happens, you'll be around your friends or your family. You don't have anything to worry about. Well, 2004, my grandfather had a stroke. I just started my first law job with this firm I was at. 
And I got to see him the day after a stroke, but then I had to go cover a deposition in Wisconsin. So I actually went back to Tampa and in the last minute I, asked, I was asked if I can go to cover a deposition. So I flew up to Wisconsin, which at the time I didn't really travel much. And I got st stranded there overnight. And then I said, hey, mom, my mom called. I said, I want to come back and see grandpa. How's he doing? And my mom's like, he just died. So here I am in Baraboo, Wisconsin. It's a beautiful area in the middle of August 2004. My mom tells me my grandfather just passed. It was 8.07 o'clock at night, 8.07 p.m. And I kind of sunk down and I, I looked around. The room was dark at this time. I said, oh, my God, my premonition. I'm by myself and there's no one around me to console me, just like that premonition seven years ago. And as soon as I started thinking that thought, I wasn't able to finish the thought. Orbs of light appeared in the hotel room, lit it up like it was noon. And I had this wave of unconditional love just wash over me. And it was my grandfather. I knew. I just knew. And he said, son, I love you. Don't ever worry. I'm always with you. Don't grieve me. Don't be sad. Go get some food. Take care of yourself, son. I love you. So when that happened, I no longer cried. I no longer had any fear. I no longer felt depressed. I didn't even like think about it. I went to get food. And I went to this Panera Bread nearby. I remember it. And I went inside. And I was talking. And my phone rang after I ordered my food. I'm sitting there eating. And my, friend, my best friend from high school, Tracy, called me. And she said, oh, how you doing? And I said, I'm okay. How are you? And she said, how's your grandfather? And I said, oh, he just passed. And she's like, oh my God, what about your premonition? I'm like, well, I'm in Wisconsin. And she's like, what? You should be in Tampa. I was like, nope, I got switched up here last minute to cover a deposition. And she's like, oh my God. And as she said that, I said, it's okay. My grandfather came to me, orbs of light. I started describing it. For the first time, I felt that she was doubtful of me without her telling me. And that was my psychic stuff, sensing that she doubted it. So then I said to her, Tracy, I know you're doubting me right now. She goes, it's hard to believe what you're describing. You sure you're not just overwhelmed by your grandfather dying? And I was like, no, I, I'm telling you what happened. And so then as, as she was talking, I all of a sudden said, what if your grandmother could come through right now to you? Would you believe that? She goes, well, my grandmother's been dead, you know, several months, six months already. And I was like, well, what if she could come through and tell you something private? And so I gave her a message that only her and her grandmother knew. And she dropped the phone. And at that point, I was like, okay. And then her future husband grabbed the phone and said, what did you say to Tracy? I'm like, why? And he's like, well, she's crying in the bathroom right now. And I was like as freaked out by it as then she was. And then she grabs the phone. And she says, no one ever told me that before except my grandmother. I can't believe you know that. I said, it's not that I know that. And I said, it's what I was even thinking. I said, it's your grandmother. She's coming through right now. Like she, she popped in. And so that night I went back to the hotel room and I left the lights on because I didn't. it's like a movie. I didn't know what to do. I was like. Is this an unsolved mystery episode? Am I living an unsolved mystery episode? Like if my grandfather could come through, who else can? It, it, you know, I, I kind of got outside myself a little bit. And so for the remaining, I guess from 2014 to 2016, I kind of kept it hidden. I focused on my law job. I focused on my career. I focused on other aspects of my life. And I noticed that every time I became distant with doing this stuff, the universe would introduce me to somebody who needed to talk to me or who had questions or needed guidance. And I didn't even realize it at the time. Over time, it just grew upon itself. You know, it is amazing how the universe puts us where we're supposed to be at the right time. Yes. And, yeah. and I, I figured out what it has to do with, for me at least, and I think this could apply to others, is it's not about my ego. It's not about my fear of being found out about. It's not about my fear of if I'm a good psychic or am I a good attorney or about my reputation. It's about being, like you said, being in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. when, it, when it's needed. I'll interact with people and I realize I bring them clarity and reassurance, 
But more importantly, they give me the same because I have meaning and purpose when I can read somebody and I feel good about it afterwards. And healing someone heals me from within as well. So it's like a duality to it. It's like a gift that gives to me as well as the other person. Well, you know, and, and for those people who are just listening to this podcast, they don't see that the energy that comes off of your your face when you talk about this. And when you're talking about your grandfather coming to you, you lit up. Your, your cheeks, cheeks are red. Your eyes are glowing. It's, you know, it's like amazing. You can feel the energy just looking at you. you know, this is that, my problem. What we're doing right now, this is my purpose, talking to you about spirituality and talking about our lives and sharing our good energy with each other. And just, you know, we're survivors. You know, you shared stuff with me that makes me realize you're a survivor too. And we're all survivors. And anyone who doubts their life right now, just know the resiliency of the human spirit that's within you. It can get you through anything. That's I know that. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that. That's a fact. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it really, it's amazing when you think about our lives, what our bodies, our mind, our, bo our mind, our soul, our mind, our body, and our soul have the ability to do and have the ability to connect in such a manner that we just have to open our eyes, open our ears, open our heart, and listen. 100%. I agree with you completely. I, I, I think it's so valid when you think about the power of healing, you know, there are ways we can heal ourselves from within. We don't even think about, it. we take it for granted. I'll give you an example, holding a grudge, holding a grudge, as simple yeah. as that sounds. I am a sensitive individual. I've always been my whole life and I had to teach myself not to hold grudges. And as soon as I did that, it's like, I use the analogy that, you know, before COVID we all travel all the time. Even now we're traveling again, getting on planes, but you know how they restrict your baggage allowance? Like if you go on like Spirit or one of these cheap airlines that you got to pay to sit at the seat and buckle your seatbelt and then an extra money. Southwestern. Uh, yeah, Southwest. And so, you know, I tell people, if you can let go of grudges with people and negativity and you can forgive people, it doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them again, but you can be. You can love each other and you can let go of negativity. No one's perfect. We're all entitled to do-overs, extra opportunity, whatever it is. You know, think about going on a trip with like one bag compared to 20. How many of us want to carry all that baggage with us the rest of our lives and all those people that have hurt us and offended us and depressed us and mm -hmm. let us down? Whatever, let it go. Let it go. I was telling you off camera about my dad and your dad, and we were sharing the, the power of forgiveness. And I said during the pandemic, like I was forced through a series of dreams to forgive my dad finally. And I did because he gave me some information verifying it's him with my aunt at right. the time. I realized once I forgave him and I could say I love my dad now, like I have one picture of him, one picture from when I was like three years old. And I blew it up and put it in a frame. And like I would have never done that, you know, three, four years ago. Yeah. So forgiveness is powerful. It is amazing. And the fact is that you don't necessarily have to forgive other people. Forgive yourself. Oh, yeah. That's another big part of it. Be gentle to yourself and forgive yourself for any mistakes you made. Yeah. We've all been tri trialed and challenged so much the last several years of our lives. Like, yep. why not be kind of gentle to yourself and appreciate where we stand with ourselves? Like, don't be hard on yourself if you are going through a divorce or if you're, you know, you, you lost a job or you're dealing with health issues. I just told you how I, I had a cancer scare a few months ago and it just ended. And for those few months, I was sitting there like on pins and needles every morning, waking up saying, is this real? Is this real? Because mm -hmm. I just kept telling everyone how happy I was. I've been cancer three, almost four years. and. Luckily, that 
ended and I'm cancer free and I have a renewed focus and vigor of life. Which and, is fantastic. And the fact that, you know, the universe helped you to do that. I think that anger, resentment, um, grief even, and not being able to forgive, I do believe contributes to our health overall. Um, I've noticed that, you know, from my perspective, that when I'm, if I get angry, I have rheumatoid arthritis, really bad. Um, if I get angry, then I have a, I have a flare. If I get really, really pissed off, or um, I'm depressed, or something emotionally, that that changes me emotionally for a little while, I notice that I get a flare. Every I understand time. that. I used to have diverticulitis for 15 years before I had surgery for it. That's how they found the cancer. So I had a surgery for it. And I can tell you that I always had a flare up of diverticulitis when I had emotional periods during that time frame of those 15 years. Mm. And I believe very strongly what you're saying, your body is interconnected and your mind, body, spirit are all one. And if you have emotional distress, or if you're upset about something or you're focused on something that isn't working out, you could put a lot of torment on the body and mind. Or angry, especially and angry. I think angry anger has a lot to do with it. So, yeah, I agree with that. But, but I, I will say what I think that the fact that your grandfather I, I, kind of opened your eyes a little bit about being a psychic medium, that, that to me, that was a gift from your grandfather because it, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, he's the one that kind of went, hey, you got this. I had his blessing from day one, so I knew it arrived from a source of love, and that's what I'm very happy about. Everything with this stuff for me is always from a source of love. The information I get, the, the things I pick up. Um, he's also been there all the time, not just those few times. I had him as recently as during my cancer scare, even though I was freaked out about it, I always feel like this, and I'll just say this, I'm not putting it out there like law of attraction, but I always felt like I'd have another bout of this that I have to deal with. So I thought it would be at this stage now, that's why I'm so freaked out, but hopefully God, God willing, it's a later date or it may never happen. But he's come to me when I made big decisions about my career. He's come to me, like even with this, even with the law practice, I had things I get stressed about. He'll come to me right. and be like, or oh, hurricanes are about to hit. He'll come to me and say, uh, when Hurricane Irma was about to hit Florida and I was scared that Tampa might get hit and I was evacuating, he's like, son, your place will be okay. And I knew from that point on, we're fine. Irma missed us. And then another example is when I had my cancer, or the first bout. He came to me and he came to my mom and he reassured us both that I would survive this and I'd live a, 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 a long, natural life and that you know I wouldn't predecease my mom. That's amazing to get messages like this. I think... Do you, help me understand or help us as viewers and listeners help the audience understand um, there isn't there is the other side it, well okay it, that does exist do you want me to give you a, a cliff notes version of this I just <laughs> let's start with the cliff notes <laughs> uh, yeah. I used to love cliff notes when I was younger they always helped me kind of grasp things pretty well the way it's portrayed to me is when you cross over here's how it works my understanding this is only according to my theory when you die, we're all made up of energy. So our spirit is within us. If you think of our bodies like the Cadbury egg, the outside of the Cadbury egg is our body. What's inside of it is the gooey stuff, which is our spirit. And 99% of who we are is made of spirit. And so when we cross over, uh, we ascend. We go to the next level. You can call it heaven. You can call it the afterlife. I, I just, I know we ascend. And when we cross over, it's like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV. 
It's a very subtle thing. And most people who cross over, I mean, we all have a greeter who greets us, a family member or someone we are familiar with that crossed over who greets us on the other side. And they let us know that you're okay. And it happens so seamless and so fast. So if you anyone who wants to fall asleep on the couch next time, think about it. When you fall asleep on the couch while watching a program or a show or Netflix, and you're so relaxed that you just lull to sleep, that's how death works, in my opinion. And the way it's been relayed to me is death is just a part of nature, just like life and breathing and bodily functions, sleep. If I was to tell anyone in the audience right now that you're taking your breath one at a time, unless you hear me mention it, you're not going to be triggered to think about it. But now you're thinking about your breath. Well, that's how death works. We cross over. We're on the other side. Love is the umbilical cord that keeps us attached to our deceased loved ones, our relatives. So we're like a reality show to them. They can watch us and pop in and be around us like a subtle Wi-Fi signal. And I tell people that what I do is I've learned how to ground myself in such a way where I remove like, you know how you try to look at the stars in the sky at night. And if you're in a big city, you can't see much because of light pollution. Well, yeah. I believe you quiet the, your thoughts. That's how you can remove that kind of pollution in the mind so that you can be in touch with loved ones on the other side with subtle information that comes through uh, spiritually, psychically, intuitively. I use those terms interchangeably in my own mind and my own understanding, because for me, they are all interconnected. So in terms of crossing over, you don't suffer when you cross over, by the way, even if you're in like a motorcycle accident, or I had someone I read for whose relative got hit by a train from behind Ooh. and they came to me and they, all the years that happened, happened two or three years earlier, they always thought he tried to commit suicide. And when he, this person walked in, the first thing the relative said was, um, I used to be doing a lot more in-person readings, but I do more virtual. The first thing that came through was uh, I didn't purposely jump in front of that train. I was walking on my phone. I was walking while looking at my phone in a very dark area and I got hit from behind and it felt like a whack on the back of the head is the way it got described to me. So that one little conversation with that person relayed to them that the relative didn't try to kill themselves. And those kind of mysteries, if you can settle that, that is like priceless for me. Well, I agree. I mean, I agree with that because we all fear death. I, th I yes. think we all, at some point in our life, we all fear death. Windows of time. Like when I had my cancer diagnosis four years ago, I feared it. And then the reoccurrence fear was also fear as well. I think we fear death because we don't want our lives to be eclipsed. Well, exactly. We that and, and I've got, a, I got more things to do. I've got more things to do. I've got to walk. I walk my oldest daughter down the aisle. I've still got to walk my youngest daughter down the aisle. I've got things to do. I got to take my wife. She's out there, so she'll probably hear this too. I have to take my wife to France because we've always wanted to go there. I still have things to do. So go I go to Versailles. I'm sorry. When you're, you got to go to Versailles. I went in college, my senior year, between college and law school. One of the most beautiful areas of, of France for me, at least, and this is only my point of view. If you go to Versailles and you go to tour the, the Hall of, of Mirrors, and in the back of the of the castle or, or you know the property is this amazing maze with all these gardens and and they have music and fountains. I mean, this was twenty years ago, right. but they played the music in the fountains and the water came out. It was the most beautiful, pristine thing I've seen in person. So, oh, very cool experience. I will have to remember that. I'll have to remember that when we go. Um, but yeah, that, so I, I I mean, I've watched enough people die. I've watched people die peacefully, and I've watched people die who have, have gone through cancer, for example, not to, not to put that out there, but um, my, my stepfather died of cancer, my grandfather died of cancer, my grandmother died of cancer, uh, two uncles died of cancer, three cousins died of cancer. 
I've watched that slow death. I've watched Louis body dementia, slow goodbye. That's a very slow goodbye. Um, and I've watched something in an instant. So we you have more. You have more visual death than I do. I haven't had all that. Well, in in in, in all that, I understand death from a certain perspective. But we have worked on people where they open their eyes for a brief moment and they kind of went, "Thank you," and then they were gone again. One of those things. So we all fear what's on the other side. We all kind of go, "What's going to happen to me? Does it go dark? Are we in a light?" Um, is it the things we watch on TV where they say, well, it's a long white, you know, kind of a long white, bright light at the end of the tunnel. And you, you know, know I'll tell you, it's nothing like we expect. It's nothing like we expect, but it's everything we would want. It's how I understand it. Think of this, our flesh, our bodies, right? We get older, we age, right? And our bodies will break down, right? What was your, do you remember your first car? I do. I had a night. I'm dating myself here, but I had a 1989 Plymouth Sundance. I had right now. That's 30 years ago for me, right? So that car probably isn't around anymore. And if it is, I doubt it. But now this is what I want to use the analogy for: our bodies are like our cars. Mm -hmm. They break down. They get older. We got to maintain them. But at some point, they're done. They're finite. But who we really are? We're spiritual energy, infinite and connected to a larger, higher power of the universe. And if you think about our energy being encased in this temporary vehicle that gets us around the planet in this reality, and that when that ends, the energy returns to its source on the other side, if we want to call it the other side, it's really not an other side, but the way we understand it, it's the other side, right? Well, it's like, you have to look at it in that context and words can't describe what a spiritual experience is really like. And the reason I say that mm -hmm. I've had a couple of near death experiences, at least I call it that when I was under anesthesia and I was in this beautiful garden after my cancer surgery, I had to wait for my diverticulitis surgery. And I was in this amazing garden where I can tell you, I felt love. I felt it not feeling loved. I touched it, felt it, smelled it. The, the, it's like the only way I could describe it to anyone who's not experiencing it themselves is through this kind of example. If you look at your TV set and you think, okay, 1983, I had a black and white TV. Well, okay, that's the way that maybe 3D, our world here looks at our reality. And compare that to the most advanced 8,000 megapixel high-end TV now, and you compare those pixelations in the TV images. Well, if we all look at things and try to understand things with the black and white TV of 30 years ago, when in reality, it's this larger, amazing thing that the senses can't describe on the human level. That's spirituality. That's, that's the other amazing. side. What a great definition of spirituality. That's the only way I could best describe yeah. it from my own perspective, because I can't quantify to use the words yet because I'm not on that side yet. That's still a brilliant way to explain spirituality. Um, it, well, you know, I, it's, I it, it is, I'm a spiritual individual. Um, I used to, I was raised Catholic. I am a, I won't say reformed Catholic, recovering <laughs> Catholic. <laughs> I get you. I get you. We'll call it recovering Catholic. <laughs> um, but I'm very, very spiritual. I do believe in the universe and I believe that we have a higher source up there. I do believe that we're all interconnected. I believe that we all, at some point or another, we are all going to going to have an interaction with each other at, at some point, whether it's negative or positive, that we're all one. 
in our conscious level is all one. Sometimes we have people that can um, touch that consciousness more often than, than others, and there are people that don't ever get to touch that consciousness for some reason or other. They either block it out, they shut their eyes, they shut their ears, they shut their heart, they just don't feel it. But I do believe everything that you just talked about, when you were describing that visualization for what's on the quote under other side, you know, it gave me a nice warm feeling. <laughs> me too. When I experienced it, I have to say I was under anesthesia. I, can't, I, I did one of my little mini recordings. If you go on my show and you go back to November of 2018, you'll find that I don't usually record like where I just talk into the mic. And this is when I was on Block Talk Radio. I'm still on there, but I, I, I use these you know these updated modems better but uh, mediums better but i literally recorded it because i didn't want to forget it and, and and i listened to it now and i'm like okay that's still cool but the reality is it's just you know anytime i talk about spirituality i always raise my vibration i'm always so happy like after i do an interview like this and i think the reason why is when you plug into it and you get to discuss it and describe it and share the experiences or or ruminate on it and share ideas of things and and you know, just the experiences I have, I accept the fact that I live in a spiritual world right now. And I believe we all do. And what I mean by that is we are spiritual beings inhabit inhabiting this planet in our physical bodies, like Avatar the movie, except we don't remember where we come from because we're not meant to. We're meant to learn. But I believe people are assigned to us in this lifetime that we repeat our relationships with. Do, I, do you I feel, can't... not to interrupt you, do you feel uh, that we're um, the reincarnation? Do you feel we come back to learn more lessons? I'll leave it like this. Have you ever met someone in your life? And you could ask members of your, anyone listening could ask themselves this because I've had this happen to me about three years ago. Have you ever met someone that you didn't know and then you meet each other and you have this instant bond or connection? Maybe you're married to that person. Maybe they're your best friend. Maybe there's somebody, but then you just don't understand it and you can only meet them just a couple of times only because that's what happens. And then the next thing you know, you think about them every day since. Yes. That's an example of a spiritual connection of like a soulmate, twin flame, any of those kind of things. And the other person may not understand it either. So you could freak each other out. Like, how do we feel so comfortable with each other? I believe that there is uh, some people that we are just connected to that we may have a prior right. knowledge with or a prior relationship with in a prior life or, or we just happen to connect so well the universe aligns us. And there's duality of purpose. In the other. Yeah, there's duality. That's, that's interesting. Is that part of the synchronicity that you were talking about earlier? Big time. So let's say you get separated from someone you're in love with, and next thing you know, you start thinking about them. And the next thing you know, that there's a song that pops on the radio, or it reminds you of the person, mm -hmm. or you're watching TV and something that reminds you of them personally pops up in front of you, whatever that is. Or you're thinking about that person and they call you, text you, whatever. You know, there's just so much. Right. It could be so many different versions. I had a friend of mine who was thinking about this guy she liked and they hadn't talked in a while. And she went on one of those scrolling sites where you could scroll names, mm -hmm. like swipe right, swipe Har left. Harmony or whatever. Yeah, one, right? Tinder, whatever. And she kept like, she showed me in front of me. Well, actually I was on four names in a row with that person. Really? <laughs> Randomly. As she was talking about the person, four times there were people in a row that she scrolled past that had that person's shared name. Had that person's shared name. <laughs> that happened three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Now that's, this stuff happens that's not the universe talking to you. <laughs> it is. And it's about understanding that, that communication. Why is that being sent to me? Well, it's showing you that there's a larger thing at work than you can understand. And sometimes not everything's under your control. 
So you surrender those things that aren't under your control and the things that you can control, you focus on things in your life that are a priority or passionate about, or maybe helping people, whatever it is, whatever it happens to be. What are your thoughts on life after death? We I, mean, I, I know that we just touched upon it a little bit there. But, yeah. but I don't think we cease to exist to such a place where I was using the car analogy earlier. And the rest of my analogy with that was when I have people that tell me they go to the cemetery and they upkeep the cemetery plot 24 seven. And that's the only time they feel like they can talk to their relative. I'd say, would you go to the junkyard to talk to your first car? <laughs> no, we wouldn't. Right? Uh, that's how I look at it. I'm well, not I trying. A, to... I had a '67 Camaro. I might. <laughs> uh, you might, and and you know what? That's a collectible item at this point, right? But my 1989 Plymouth Sundance not a collector's item, and I am telling people you have more relationship by knowing that your loved ones are with you anywhere you are. So you can talk to your dad, my grandfather, your mother, whoever, 24/7. You just got to tune into them and say, "I love with loving light and energy, connect me to my dad," and I'll just start talking to him, and I feel the energy. And I know it's him. Now, do you believe that there's a time limit on that? Does the time, it might be the wrong question, is is time different? Time doesn't there? exist. I'm sorry? Doesn't, time does, does not exist on the other side. Does not exist on the other side. So if your father I passed know. away 40 years ago, the opportunity still exists that you could speak to your father? Okay, this is how I'll work at the time analogy. Because I love your question. It's great and it's important to bring up. So the way that I learn these things is how the, I experience it, right? As a medium. Right. So when loved ones come in and they pop in and they share their information with me, they'll say, um, time doesn't exist on the other side. So what that means is they can, for them, it's an instantaneous from the time they die crossover to when we come back because we're pure energy. And we, how do we regulate our time anyway? How many times we're around the sun in a year? We're, we're a year older. How many seconds in a day? How many minutes in an hour, right? That's the way we regulate ourselves. But when you're on the other side and you're infinite energy and you're connected to everything else, time doesn't govern that. So we look at time as a reality in our world, at 3D world, but wherever they are, and, the, and, and we'll call it the afterlife for purposes of right. they don't have that. And see, that makes a lot of, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It really does, because obviously we have a clock on the wall. You know, if you get up, you go, you 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 get up in the morning you we, have, live, we live our lives you have to go to work so you have to be there on time you know you and have you get paid usually by the hour for exactly. a certain job everything is everything is timed everything is put out everything is on look at the clock on your wrist on the wall on your phone it's a human construct we've created it um i know we touched on the power of forgiving others but if you don't mind, I, I while I've been sitting here thinking, have we've been as we've been talking? Um, I know earlier you had said that the importance of forgiving others helps us to kind of move our lives forward in, in a very positive way. If somebody needs help in forgiving, um, do you have any recommendations as to what their first steps might be? Yes, I do. Uh, did it myself. First step would be to be able to look at yourself critically and say, what am I holding on to? Why am I holding on to this? And does it serve my highest purpose where, where I'm at right now? If it doesn't, you likely could let go. And when I say let go, I don't mean like forget about it forever. I'm just saying like heal yourself. Time can heal, right? Time can heal anything. Well, why can't it heal your emotional wounds or your disappointments or your own inner guilt? One of the things I did as my own exercise was meditate a lot, pray a lot, 
uh, the more intuitive I got with that, the more I realized that forgiving isn't actually a impossible task, no matter what. I mean, we could see when you put on TV, you see people's families forgiving people who killed their relatives, or you see, you know, when you forgive, it's like a superpower. And, and it's, it's something that I think human kindness and forgiveness and love are what will heal us all. And so it's important, like one of the things I did during the pandemic, I used my iPhone, I laid it on my chest, I laid on the couch and I put headphones on and I basically talked into a voice recorder and relived different episodes of my life where I felt like my grandparents might've hurt me with certain things or best friends, past relationships, whatever. And I focused on one person and I relived the experience in the sense that I talked it out into the microphone on my phone. And I did this with my dad a lot too. I went through the experiences of exactly why I felt I had this retained hurt or pain or whatever. And I went through it and then I kind of talked myself through it. And I said, okay, I'm going to go through this with the purpose of healing, forgiving. That's why I'm doing this. And what I did was I hold myself accountable by recording myself. And I relived these episodes. Like my dad, when I was three years old, picked me and my brother up, my brother and I up, and was supposed to take us to, to, back to his place. And he was drunk. My mom didn't know that. And he picked us up and we had a drunk driving accident and route 46 in, I think it was route four in New Jersey. And as a three-year-old, I was traumatized by that. The cops had to come, he got arrested. I, you know, my mom had to come get us. And I remember this as clear as day that, and we weren't in seatbelts or anything. So, you know, it was like crazy. Luckily we didn't hit another car. We hit the medium on the highway, but it was a very harrowing experience. So I went back and relived that example. And I forgave my dad at the end of it. I said, I love you. I know that you didn't do that to intentionally hurt my brother or myself. And you were dealing with uh, alcohol addiction issues and whatever else it was, but I released this. And I released that episode of it and never relived it again. That's the first time I'm talking about it today since three years ago. I don't bring it up. Well, I, I, will, I will tell you that we have a lot more in common than we had even imagined because I was, my father was trying to bring me back from Trinidad, up, back, back up to Colorado Springs to get my mother, quote unquote. I can't do quotes anymore, but well, air quotes. Air quotes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, we got into a, a, a rollover accident. He was drunk and uh, state patrol picked him up. They arrested him, took me and the patrol car back to the uh, state patrol office in Pueblo. And uh, he sat in a holding cell and they put me in dispatch. And um, it did two, a twofold thing. Number one, obviously, my mother was really pissed because she had to come down there to get us from Pueblo. And um, that just further cemented some things, you know, within them. But at the same time, it, you know, I, I was angry at my dad for doing that for years. I was angry at my dad for doing that. But then I really thought about the fact that the first time I decided I wanted to be a cop was that time. Wow. Right See there. how you get in the positive direction. Yes. It was kind of one of those things that it took me a long time to really understand that and, and really narrow that down. But that was the point in my life where I said, I want to grow up and be a police officer. And then once I became a police officer, I went right into traffic and I went into DUI enforcement and stopped it shaped people. You. It shaped me. It so, shaped your whole view. Exactly. After that. But we have that in common. Our fathers are both alcoholics and our fathers both got into an accident while we were in the car as children. Mm -hmm. And so it it's it's unique, <laughs> I think. 
I, I agree with you. You know, I don't normally talk about that stuff. And it's, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's that it's like my whole life. I've never had a father figure that was stable in my life. That's why my grandfather is so important to me. And that's why I appreciate what single moms can do mm-hmm. to raise their children because of what I went through as a single parent household and the sacrifices my mom made to get me through college. And, you know, obviously I went to law school and all that after that. But for us to be where we are, like your mom had a sacrifice and my mom had a sacrifice. And you know what? Too many times we don't give those people credit they deserve in society. Yeah, exactly. I think and, they and deserve. I, I, I've had to go back and forgive my. I was angry at my mother for the longest time until I had a better understanding of what she went through, especially was, back then. Because she probably had a hard time trying to navigate everything with your dad, and she had to try absolutely. to make people. Absolutely, that's what I. Think. Yeah, Pick absolutely, it. and the fact that even back then, women, you, you were limited in what you could do, waitress. Mm-hmm. My um, mom was a teacher. Uh, women forty, fifty years ago didn't have as many career options. Exactly, as they do now. it was secretary, waitress teacher which didn't pay very well you know and a lot of those still don't pay very well but you can stop and think about that and it took me well i'll give my age away a little bit here so it took me like 50 up 50 <laughs> years to figure that out you know and understand that and, and, when you think about it right what do you think of age when i think of age as i get older i i just tell people it's a page in the book because you so know, many it, people the alternative is the alternative is different i I still want to be here for a while and you know realistically i am grateful that i have been here i'm 63 years old i still uh, i appreciate your bald head don't get me wrong (laughs) i do because some guys look good bald my best friend who unfortunately killed himself um he was bald um he looked good me without hair, it doesn't look good. <laughs> I'm going to tell anyone in the audience who fears balding when they're younger. In my 20s, I was terrified of going bald, and I had a receding hairline, and it would, it would just suck through my 20s. And then when I turned 30, I was like, oh, I'll try hair club for men. And I did that for two years and realized that I'm not knocking anyone who tries that stuff, but I just need this. This is what I got to. And uh, I'm so glad. It like once you, you get you're yeah, comfortable it for you. You know what I mean? But for years, I struggled with it too in my 20s. I always remember wearing like a hat or trying to angle my head. <laughs> would, would, <laughs> trying to like, okay, what's the side that makes me look less bald right now? Like, that's oh, what, wait. That's what side. I do with my gray <laughs> hair now, see? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Just embrace it, you know? Uh, that's why I don't turn my head too far because that's where the gray is. <laughs> I embrace it. I embrace it. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting when you, when you stop and really reflect back on your life and you kind of you understand how to forgive. You know, I didn't understand my father's, I was mad at my dad for a really long time, just like, you know, you were, you were with your father. And it took me a lot to really, when I started delving into his background and how he grew up and some things in his life that weren't really, you know, what he went through, which at the time I did not understand as a child, you know, I pieced all that stuff together and went, well, then now it makes a lot of sense. Now I see what kind of a troubled individual he was. Now I kind of see why he was drinking. Now I see why he was burying himself in alcohol. And it gave me the opportunity to really let go of that anger. Everybody's flawed, right? Even our parents are flawed. And as a child, we think, what do we do to cause whatever is happening to us, right? At the time, we don't realize we may have not had nothing to do with the way our dads acted when they drank and acted out or whatever it was. It's hard. It's hard to rationalize everything and make sense of it and make heads and tails. That's why we're on this journey. 
I mean, I think that's why you and I are on a podcast right now. So we could share our ideas with other people, right? You're as creative as I am and you're, you're driven to share your passion. And that's what I think is so powerful about being able to express yourselves, ourselves, expressing how we feel inside. So that's not bottled in, bottled up. Yeah, I agree with that. And letting other people who listen to this know that your life's not that screwed up. If you're dealing with a situation like we're talking about with our families, a lot of families are like that out there. They're not all the Hallmark Channel Christmases. Yeah. I can guarantee you there's more Christmases like yours and mine and other people that deal with dysfunction in their lives than there are like It's a Wonderful Life or something that's on Lifestyle, the Lifetime movie channel, like one of my friends watches, I tease them about. Well, that's why we have those movies so that we can yeah. feel good about that. We can escape into that, but don't judge your life by that because you'll beat yeah. yourself up with an unrealistic standard. Exactly. But I do, I do appreciate your approach to the forgiving portion of it and letting go of the, you know, being able to forgive and to let go of the anger and the resentment, um, especially with somebody that has passed. Um, I can, I can attest to the fact that it works. You know, it has relieved a huge pressure. I mean, when I say pressure, the only one that was putting pressure on me was me. Yeah. But it relieved that pressure off of me that I didn't have to feel guilty about it anymore. Didn't have to. I found a couple of paintings that my dad had um, that was, were given to me, and I kept them out in the garage. And I was going to give them to my brother because I thought, you know, I don't want those. And when I look at those paintings now, I've kept them. When I look at them now, I say, oh, now I understand. He painted this because he felt that he was unable to really show his creativity. He was unable to really show himself. And he felt like you know, a faceless person in the middle of everything that was going on and juggling so many things. I could see that in the paintings, but it took me 50 years to forgive him for not drinking, forgive him for not taking the opportunity. Back then, all they had was an abuse. He went to a facility, you had an abuse, facility, and abuse, facility, and abuse. And if you drank on the antibuse, it made you sick. Um, but that didn't stop people from drinking on the antibuse. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of a thing. They didn't have, you know, what they've got, a lot of what they got there. They didn't have, back then, they didn't have, you know, like um, double, uh, AA meetings, alcohol and oh, yeah. meetings and things like that. They had a facility. You would go into a facility. And that didn't always fix you. So, yeah, it. I can tell you from that experience that, what you say, I can validate that from my perspective, that I was able to forgive, I was able to let go of the anger, the resentment and everything else, and it allowed me to have a better relationship with my father, even though he's not sitting here in front of me. I love to hear that because I think that helps you moving forward with your current daily life right now by recognizing like your value with the paintings, for example, finding the connection there right? Yeah. I believe you're, you got those paintings for a reason. <laughs> it gets you to think about these extra aspects of your relationship. It's a complicated relationship, right? I, that's the best way to describe our relationship with our fathers. It's complicated. complicated. If it was a Facebook status, it would stay that way. <laughs> Even exactly. after you did, it still be complicated. Because I always wondered in my life, what would my life have turned out and been like differently if I had a full-time father involved in my life? Would I fear abandonment in my adult relationships, you know, like, would I, would I um, be afraid of things that 
I may not be had I had a, a male figure like my dad in my life my whole life, you know, but I had my grandfather and I was blessed I had him. Yeah. And my mom made up for both parents through her sacrifices. So instead of looking at myself as a victim and saying, what was me? I didn't have a father. I could say, you know what? I thank my father for what he gave me. He, he's given me a lot of my gifts. He was very creative as a musician. I never played music, but he had a musical ear and all those things. And I think the creativity that I've developed at this stage of my life harkens back to whatever he must have had in his own way. Right, so we all, I love that. Gifts that they give us too. That's where you got your creativity from. I'm sure of it. I love that. I love that. That's great. That's brilliant. I love that. Um, earlier, you mentioned something about laying down. You put the the iPhone earlier. I'm not even saying an iPhone, but your phone on top of your chest. And then you did that. We. How does meditation play into everything? Because I meditate every day. I don't necessarily. Um, well, I can't say I don't connect with the universe because I think I do. You do. When I meditate, uh, I use it to to manage my pain. I use it to manage my stress, my manage my daily life, basically. So I meditate. Um, can you help us understand how meditation can benefit us from a spiritual perspective? Sure. I will say two things. One, if you, if anyone in the audience doesn't feel like they can meditate. If you can breathe, you can meditate. If you can think, you can meditate. If you open your eyes and close your eyes, all meditation is for me, it, at least on my, my own personal understanding of it after doing it so much, it's our, our ability to journey inwards. It's uh, our ability to use our imagination, journey inward and connect to ourselves. I, I feel like with prayer, you're connecting to your, your God, your higher power, you know, the universe. Well, the same way you do prayer when you pray to God or your higher power, with meditation, it's like paying attention, paying attention to yourself, but doing so in a way where you don't have to have thoughts in your mind that impact you. It's like taking a pause, a respite. Um, think about when we were little kids back in the day, we were allowed to take naps, moment of silence, all those kind of things. Meditation to me is no different than that. Anytime you shift your consciousness and most of us meditate without realizing it. What I mean by that is next time you're stuck in traffic and the next thing you start daydreaming, and you're like, oh, I was just not paying attention. Well, that's a form of what meditation can be like. It's a shift in the consciousness, journeying inwards, allowing yourself to really kind of connect with yourself. It's like a screensaver on a computer. If you meditate, you're putting your screensaver on and you're kind of just calming your thoughts and sitting in the present moment. And the components of that that I find are powerful is breath work and being able to visualize and clear your mind to detach from the immediate present moment where you can literally reinvigorate yourself spiritually, connect with the higher power, but also retreat inwards. And I believe when you do that, we're all, it's a practice. It's like yoga. It's like going to the gym and working out. You're not gonna be at the top level of it right away. I would recommend doing guided meditations first through YouTube or videos or in person, whatever environment that can be, and growing it from there and giving yourself 10 to 15 minutes a day starting out I can do it for quite a long time, but that's me. But if, if you're somebody that has a challenge with it, I would suggest trying to do it because it's beneficial for you. It's good for the mind, body, and spirit. As you were saying, Michael, that you, you do it to help alleviate pain. Well, physical pain, emotional pain, mental stress, all those things can be handled pretty well when you start meditating and, and having mindfulness as a regular part of your life, for sure. 100%. Uh, 100%. It, it has helped me immensely. It's helped me through all my operations. It's helped me above and beyond. 
Um, when again, I can, when I get a migraine, I meditate. When I get stressed, I meditate. When I um, get up in the morning, I meditate. It's, uh, it's just kind of part of my natural daily routine now. And if you've got virtual reality, they've got some excellent programs on like virtual reality, the Oculus. I'm not an Oculus affiliate or anything else, but I can tell you that they've got a couple of, couple of uh, things on there like Trip. And, it's a fun thing to have. I have one. I misplay. It's in my house. One of my friends gave it to me as a gift and I use it and I love it. I think you're right. Doing virtual reality meditation would be a really awesome way to dive in the deep end with it. Oh, they've got like three, three or four. I've got three or four on there that are different meditation programs to help you with guided meditation for everything from depression to, to anxiety to um, just wanting to escape and just relax or focus or get your creativity up. It's, you know, so if you want to get started, you know, you can start there too. Um, at least the opportunities there. <clears throat> I have to ask you this, if you don't mind, we talked about your cancer earlier. Um, how did it feel to, how did you predict your own cancer? May I ask that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got to ask that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy to talk about it. Absolutely. So in March of 2018, uh, it was a March morning here in Tampa, 70 degrees, you know, really bright, sunny day. I decided I have an office near my house and I walked downstairs. I walked downstairs from my office. Sorry. Hold on a second. I don't know why that just happened, but my apologies. That's all right. That's why we have a pause and a... Uh... <laughs> yeah, one second. I'm just turning this off. That I did not expect to happen. My apologies. That's all right. Life happens, buddy. <laughs> I just got side, side interrupted at the same time. So basically I was look. I walk downstairs, I go to the first floor, I look out a window, there's a cleaner's window and I'm looking at myself in the window and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, oh, okay, I, my shirt looks a little wrinkled, let me straighten out and I was doing that. And then all of a sudden the, the thought popped in my head, wouldn't it be weird if you had cancer and didn't know it? And I was like, wait, 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 let's cancel that thought out. And then all of a sudden, cause I'm big on the law of attraction, thoughts are things. And yes. Repeat, it repeated self-recording. Wouldn't it be weird if you had cancer in your body and didn't know it? So like, all right, I got to pay attention to that. I have cancer. What the heck? And I walked upstairs. I remember talking to people I worked with at the time. I was like, they're friends of mine. I'm like, I have cancer. They're like, what do you mean you have cancer? I go, I was just told intuitively by my spirit guys that I have cancer. But what, and then they said, what did they say? And I repeated what I just said. Wouldn't it be weird if I had cancer in my body and didn't know it? And they're looking at me like, don't say that. Don't say that. I said, I'm not controlling what I'm picking up. I'm just telling you. Well, four months later, I went in for a CAT scan for my diverticulitis surgery that I was preparing for and my doctor called me and said, you have cancer. I'm like, what? You got to meet with your urologist at stage one kidney cancer. I go, how do you know that? And he said, from the, from the you know, CT scan. So I had to wait three weeks, but then I found out in mid-August of 2018 that I had cancer and I opted to do what's called a cryoblast. And when I told people in my life I had cancer, they were like, didn't know what you talked about back in March? I was like, yeah, I guess we have a, quite a clear knowledge of the body that sometimes our bodies can relay things to us and give us kind of a, a advanced warning about. And sometimes that's just something to, to know. And that's what that experience showed me is that I'm more in tune with my body than I realize. And I listen to the intuitive nudges I receive with the body. At least you listen to it. And that's a positive thing because you took the time to listen to it and they were able to find it. Um, and luckily you're cancer free now. So that's like it. Yeah. It's a blessing either way you look at it. Cause I had the experience of it and I'm cancer free. So it makes me extremely, you know, appreciative. See, next time you look in the window though, you should say, wouldn't it be nice if I won the $2 billion jackpot? 
I know, I know, I know, I know. I went and bought the tickets two days ago or three days ago for a Saturday drawing, and I was so busy the last two days, I didn't get a chance to buy the newer one, which you know they won in California. So whoever won that, God bless. Them. Yeah, you know, normally don't they, they the big ones don't come this far normally. The first thing we did was when we heard it was sold in California, we're calling our kids. You didn't buy a ticket, did you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, please tell me you bought that ticket, but they didn't buy the ticket. <laughs> um, but life goes on, right? Life, life still goes on. How do people come through to you? Is there something that you could be walking in the middle of a grocery store and all of a sudden somebody talks to you? Do you see these spirits or do you just hear these spirits or feel these spirits? Well, that's a great question. I'll break it down for you. So you know how we have five senses and some people have better vision and hearing than others? Intuitively, psychics have stronger senses, just like the physical senses. We also have what they call the clair. So I'll give an example of a few. Clairvoyance is when you can see things. Clairaudience is hearing it. And that's just two examples. Let me, let me share with you. When I'm around somebody, if I pick up something, especially as a medium, uh, it's like a doorbell rings when I'm around the person and I'll be like, uh, someone's trying to come through right now. Do you have an aunt that died of breast cancer in the past? Because when there's a person coming through telling me that they're your aunt and, and it's like a Polaroid picture that slowly develops. As I'm reading somebody, the person will come through on the other side. It's like playing charades and they'll give me images. They'll say words. They'll give me direct phrases and messages that only you know, the person who I'm talking to as a recipient of the message from the loved one would understand. They'll tell me something about how they died, uh, their illnesses, if they were older, if this person was a caregiver for them, they'll talk about that. So there's a, a various forms of how to, how to relay the information. And a lot of times I, I rely on all these different formats of whatever it is that comes through, how it does, but it's really me interpreting it for the person as a recipient and so the way to understand it is not about me picking people and reading for them. I believe it's more about the other side determining if it's that important that they want to kind of reach out for a message. Like sometimes I'll have a message when I'm talking to somebody and I'll be like, oh yeah, at a reading or something, I'll be like, you know, um, they're showing me a calendar and they're showing me like a circle of the calendar to tell me that there's a birthday coming up. And one of the people I read for was like, um, the anniversary of my dad's birthday was yesterday. Well, he wants me to tell you that he's still around you and not to grieve his death like it's the past because he's still alive, so to speak. And he wants you to know that he's acknowledging the fact that you're aware of his birthday. And so like little tidbits like that will help people understand what we're what we're doing when we meet with each other. A lot of times it's it's for clarity, reassurance, comfort. So they'll, you know, if there's a need for someone that's really suffering and I'm around them and the loved one wants to come through, they'll let me know, relate this to so-and-so, your friend that's in front of you, whoever it is that's in front of you. And I'll do that. Like, I feel like the universe lines up people to come to me when they come. Like us even talking tonight, there's synchronicity and you and I talking and sharing all these personal stories. And it's funny, isn't it interesting as we talk, we share more similarities of what we're talking about? Because I believe that that happens for a reason. That's synchronicity. That's like a force of nature like gravity. We get introduced to people in our lives through psychic, spiritual, or other reasons exist. And I believe that people come into our lives for a reason. We help each other. We help others through our actions without even realizing it. Maybe our interview today will help inspire somebody that's been struggling with their father in some way, a relationship with an alcoholic father that's no longer with us. And maybe they're struggling to think about trying to forgive that person. And they hear us talk to each other about this. And now they're prompted to think about taking steps. I believe in all that. Well, let's hope so. I think that uh, that would be a brilliant opportunity for somebody to uh, take, take this and then maybe repair a relationship. 
that's the most beautiful thing we can do while we're alive, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and heal, forgive. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. I um one second. <coughs> Pardon me. I am so sorry. I have got like chest congestion. I cannot get rid of the last uh, no worries. six weeks, something like that. It's a pain in the butt. Um, but digital age, I can cut this right out. <laughs> That's why I love editing things too. I'm the same way. Yeah, they could just right there. It's nice. No pressure. We can edit it out, whatever it is. I'm just joking. My, my first, when I was first getting into filmmaking, as a side note, first getting into filmmaking when I was still a cop, and uh, I shot film. I shot on the 16 millimeter film, which we had to go get developed. And then after we got developed, we could rank it down to beta and then tip it into a big old beta machine. And then that put through for the get edit on the beta. And then the beta, we dropped it down to whatever else it was going to be. I mean, it's a huge process. Now, you could just shoot something on your phone, put it on your computer, cut it up where you needed to go, change the audio, and then put it out like could, that fast. Influencer. The influencers that exist now would not be able to do that system years ago. You'd oh, no. <laughs> There's no way. Because you're going, no, yeah, I'm going to put something out, but it's going to take me a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be out Great. next week. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, let's talk about uh, everything about you. How would somebody, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to be able to get some help from you, uh, maybe come on your show or listen to you, where can they find you? Absolutely. Thank you so much. I offer uh, intuitive guidance and readings through my website. You can go on the socialpsychic.com uh, to find me there. I'm also on social media. Most of my handles are either Jason Zook, Jason Z-U-K, or The Social Psychic. I'm on Instagram, for example, at the social underscore uh, psychic, uh, the underscores in between all those on there. Um, in terms of my show, I've been I've, I've learned like you podcasting is a, a great art form of expression. And I've had my own show called the Social Psychic Radio Show for about four or five years now. And that's available on most media platforms. And there's another show coming out that I'm producing with my best friend, Megan Kane, called Psychic Visions Podcast. And we're signed with Electrocast Media out of LA, and that's coming out probably in the coming weeks, actually. And then one other thing of a project that I'm involved in, if anyone's a, a podcaster who's also spiritual or psychic or involved in the paranormal, we're launching a network called Paranormal Universe with Electrocast Media, with Megan Kane and myself as the originators of that. And so if there's anyone who has a podcast or a show dealing with paranormal topics, we're creating a safe place where you can monetize your show, sign with uh, Electrocast Media, and promote uh, basically a safe place for people who share common ideas. And so there's a couple of those kind of things I'm doing. And I'm also, you can find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm gonna be on there a lot more doing lives. And when I'm not doing my lawyering work, these, this is my creative expression of myself. And, and obviously giving readings to people, I love to do as well. I have a lot of awesome clients who return uh, time after time. It's been, it started out as a hobby for me because I always pride myself on being a lawyer. And then I didn't realize that when you know you can enjoy being a, a psychic or a spiritual person too, it just adds to the things I can do in life, and I enjoy doing. So well, you just you represent people from a different perspective. So yeah, you're still very representing true. people. I, I yeah, you know, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still represent. You still, I'm the representative for, on your behalf. I'm the go between. 
<laughs> it's true. I'm an interpreter, a representative, and a producer, creator person. Exactly. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> darn it. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your wisdom, your experience. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Uh, I do believe that we've met in the past somewhere along our timelines. Um, so yes, I, I uh, thank you very much for sharing everything with me. I'll make sure that all of all that information will be in the show notes so that uh, you have easy access to be able to connect with you. But this is one more thing before you go. So before we go, do you have any words of wisdom you can share? Michael, I appreciate you. I thank you for your service. I think you're a fascinating individual and I look forward to having you on my show. And I just think that we're going to really do some great things together. And I look forward to collaborating with you. And I appreciate your perspective. You asked amazing questions today. This has been a lot of fun for me. And I can't wait till the next time. <laughs> That's fantastic and brilliant. My sentiments exactly. I can't wait to be on your show. I think we got so much more to share. And yes. I look forward to having another conversation with you. Thank you very much again for being on the show. I'll make sure that all those things are in the show notes for people to get in touch with you. And I look forward to another conversation with you down the road. Thank you so much, Michael. Until next time. Of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.